Welcome into episode 220 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. We are back after a short break. I'm glad you stuck with us. And this week we have three sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Vibes High Fidelity Earplugs. So check it out. This is important. So if you go to discovervibes.com and use the promo code Modern Drummer, you will get 15% off plus free shipping. Uh, if you're in the U.S., unfortunately, they can't ship internationally for free. But it's 15% off an order of a pair, any number of pairs of these really high-quality uh, musicians' earplugs. I have these. I use these on gigs. I use these when I'm just going down to my kit to practice. They're discreet. They have a clear stem so that you don't have any like bright orange or green things poking out of your ears with uh, the rubber, different sizes of rubber uh, tips. Works great. It reduces 22 decibels of sound, but it doesn't um, destroy the frequency range. So it just basically just brings everything down quieter. You still hear some clean highs, mids, and lows. It just keeps you from damaging your ears. So definitely every drummer needs to have a pair of high-quality earplugs, and then you should use this code Modern Drummer, get 15% off if you go to discovervibes.com. This episode is also brought to you by Mallet Cat. So this is Cat Percussion. If you know Cat, they make the Drum Cat, Mallet Cat, a bunch of other um, really great MIDI controllers. The one in particular that we're featuring here is the Mallet Cat Express. So this is essentially a compact version of their full-blown-out Mallet Cat Pro. It is a much lighter piece. The frame is made of aluminum instead of steel. It's a two-octave keyboard instrument with um, you know, rubber neoprene-style keys, so it looks like a xylophone or a marimba, but it's a MIDI controller. So it's a two-octave version. You can also expand it up to four octaves if you really want that. I'm working with the two-octave version on my acoustic kit. It's compact enough where I can set it over to the left of the hi-hat or even over the bass drum if I don't need rack toms or the floor tom. So we'll be reviewing this in you know in a later episode where I'm actually digging in and using it and demoing it. Um, but it's a really powerful MIDI controller. Um, there's also an option where you can get it. It doesn't have any sounds in it, but you can get a, you can purchase an option that has its own sound module. Um, and in that sound module, I'm looking at it now, hundreds, over 100, looks like 128 different sounds. Um, and that's the Keytron SD1000 sound module that is available for purchase with the Mallet Cat. Check it out. Go to Cat Percussion's website. Um, have a look. We will definitely come back to this once I get a chance to really dig in. And lastly, this episode is sponsored by Bucks County Drums. And in particular... Uh, they want you to take a look at their new Prime Series, which is a six-ply, single-species shell series. All the shells are made in-house at Bucks County's factory in Pennsylvania. They use a staggered diagonal seam uh, with their internal seams and joints, so it gives the shell extra strength. So the whole premise for the Prime Series is to develop a simpler, more straightforward approach of building kits for players who want a reliable, versatile, consistent, and affordable professional quality instrument that doesn't cost quite as much as their super high-end um, semi-solid series. So these are designed to give you a lot of tone, a lot of projection, not require a lot of dampening because everything is very well balanced, great tuning range. Um, so these are wide open, beautiful sounding drums for live or recording. So what we're going to check out is um, Bucks County artist Kevin Sofera. He did a demo of his Prime Series Birch. And let's get the show started. 
five, six, seven. Woo-hoo. You can't trick me. <laughs> I tried. I t- and it was so quick, too. That was like no big deal for you. You didn't even look up with a surprise. Uh, you're going to have to. You're gonna have to put the intro in yeah. so people know what the heck we're talking about. How are you, man? It's been a while. You got a yeah. haircut. I did, finally. Yeah, it was feeling a little shaggy, feeling a little <laughs> rough. And then I saw some photos and video of myself. I'm like, ooh, man. Yeah, you're not doing yourself any favors. Let's get a trim. Not long. Hair, <laughs> Let's get a trim. Now, are you a salon high end? Like, are you a seventy five dollar haircut guy, or are you full on supercuts? I don't know what supercuts charges, but there's a salon in my town that's like thirty five bucks. Thirty five. Okay. Yeah. Nice man. She does a nice. good job. She's like, "What do you do?" I'm a drummer. She's like, "All right, I need to make sure I cut it so when you're banging your head, it looks good." I'm like, "All right, I like you." Even so, though she I, gets she gets it. <laughs> yeah, she gets the vibe. <laughs> It's it's good when people get it or at least try to get it. Uh, a matcha company reached or a tea company reached out to me on Instagram saying like, "Why are you whisking with your left hand equally?" And I was like, "Oh, that's oh, awesome that you're interesting. interested." Did you tell them? And I, yeah, I said, "Oh, that's that's a great question. Honestly, it's it's so that I can develop both hands equally. So for drummers, anything they can do on a daily basis, like brushing their teeth, eating." Uh, opening a door or whisking their matcha if they can do it left hand it's going to just make life a little bit easier down the road and it was really cool they were super interested how quickly before they stop listening (laughs) you mean our listeners (laughs) no the matcha tea like oh oh, no they were they were actually they were they were really into it it was it was cool uh i was actually really surprised like then after that there was like follow-up questions and i'm like hmm you care are you so it it was pretty cool company Um, now well I did talk to them a little bit. Uh, (laughs) The the main thing was I was telling them like, hey, I'd really like to work with somebody that can give me more information so that I can help people make the switch from from coffee to tea. And that's not an easy switch, but there's just so many options. And I think a lot of times people – it's almost like dieting. People are ready to give it a shot, ready to commit, and then they go into a grocery store and they're just bombarded with everything. They're like, okay, I can't. I can't figure this out. I'm done. Yeah. So. And you picked the wrong Anyways. one. I mean, which which tea tastes like coffee? That's what I want to know. <laughs> uh, matcha would be the closest, not tasting wise, but it would give you. So, so here's the thing. There, I, I'm not going to go deep into it because we will lose all of our listeners. But <laughs> welcome green back. Tea, green tea specifically does have something. It was really cool how they explained it to me. But there is a chemical in the green tea leaf that has a caffeine manager. So. What they were telling me was with coffee, it's like putting a boxer, like an actual fighter, into your system. So you've got the energy of the fighter. Okay. With green tea, and especially with matcha, because you're actually drinking the leaf. You're not soaking the leaf and then just drinking the, mm. the water. Oh, it's you're like actually leaf. ingesting. Yeah, okay. that's what matcha is. Um, but they were saying that with that, there's the boxer of the caffeine, but then there's this other thing. I think it was theanine maybe. I'd have to look it up. But uh, that is the manager of the boxer. So it manages it. And so matcha was actually created by Chinese monks so they could get through 12 hours of chanting while being focused but without being jittery. Huh. Well, that's a heck of a sales pitch. Boom. Take that. I'll stay with my Keurig black green mountain whatever the heck it is <laughs> you're, yeah that's all you need buddy you're, you're set so we'll, we'll talk more about that later but now let's talk about what's been going on so did you do your florida clinic or is it coming up no i did it was, so yeah we skipped a week i feel like we haven't talked in forever because you've I, been around the world and we had thanksgiving <laughs> i got like three like, new stamps on my passport since i talked to you <laughs> crazy I don't know. We talk about Florida first. We talk about Singapore first. Good God. Singapore was amazing and a nightmare all at the same time. Mm. 
Okay. It started well, off as a massive nightmare. Well, Florida I was, was a dream, so I win. Well, there you go. Okay. Well, my time in Singapore was great. Getting there, not so much. I was at the Sacramento airport bright and early, so it, my flights went Sacramento to Los Angeles. So that's like nothing. That's like uh, maybe an hour at most with taxiing and everything. Yeah. Then from LAX to Tokyo, Japan, that's they're almost 13 hours. Oof. Then from Tokyo to Singapore, which is another nine hours. Ouch. Now at Sacramento, that's when I saw the post from the guy that was bringing me in at the airport ready to pick up Mike Johnston in five minutes. So excited. No. Yep. And I was like, wrong day so I, or something? I thought it was a joke. So I just kind of wrote him and I was like, I was like, ha ha, I'll be there in five. And he's like, LOL, can't wait. And I was like, what? Hmm, maybe we're not joking. <laughs> so I was like, wait, are you really at the Singapore airport? He's like, yeah, I can't wait to show you around. And I'm like, I'm at the Sacramento airport. Apparently there was some miscommunication on time zones. And I mean, that's like uh, a day off, right? Yeah. Well, they're 18 hours ahead and he was reading my flight times in my west coast flight times in singapore time so it's it got misscheduled months ago and (laughs) and i I would say equal parts our fault and his fault no one caught it you know i was like you have my flight numbers right like you can so uh no one caught it it was i've done hundreds of international clinics this has never happened once it was just like a total wow how did this slip by us? And yeah, so people hmm. flew in from Taiwan, Indonesia, uh, Thailand. I wasn't there. Oh, like the whole thing yeah. was off. Yeah. Well, no, I made it, but I made it a day late. I was doing two full days. So people that had flown in from other countries to see me perform, I didn't make it. Oh, I'm my laughing because that's ever, so painful. <laughs> yeah, my first ever canceled clinic uh, in my entire career. So then luckily, James, the owner of my drum school, he, for the next 20, I said, dude, there's nothing I can do. I will be in the air for 20 hours or 24 hours, but let me know now before I board this plane to LA. Should I not come? Yeah, right. (laughs) Because I would love to skip out on 24 hours of travel. Anyway, so I just said, he's like, no, I'll, 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 I'll make it work. Don't worry. Just get here and we'll go from there. So he actually contacted every single person that had, luckily everything was RSVP. It was not just show up. Yeah. So he did have the contact information for everybody, got a hold of everybody and we just, and then we, we were able to move my flights home back a day. So I stayed an extra day and we made up for it the day after, I guess two days after. Um, Oof. But yeah, it was tough. I felt really bad. So for any of you that didn't get to go to the clinic because I wasn't there. I'm truly sorry. It was definitely, like I said, it was just an oversight on both parties, and it's never happened. And so anyway, so it started out as a nightmare. I got there, and as soon as I was there, from that moment on, it was paradise. Singapore is incredible, and the way that they're trying to build their country and build their culture is awesome. And I was able to talk to them, and I think you'll kind of get this. You and I have both been fascinated by other cultures that are a little bit more rhythmically advanced than us because they're deeper cultures. Yeah, so right. Of Brazil, Cuba, um, India, obviously. Well, they're in the opposite role. Their country has only been Singapore with freedom for about sixty years, so they're very, mm. they're younger than us. Mm-hmm. So when you listen to their drummers, it's kind of like the Chinese thing, where it's like you're good at copying America and in Europe, but I don't hear I don't know what a Singapore drummer sounds like. Mm-hmm. And so being able to talk to them about you guys have a chance to literally 
create a drumming culture and a drum sound. And I, I was thinking, you know, at, when I said it at first, it seemed impossible. Like, what, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Reinvent the drums? And then I thought about, right now, try to find me a drummer that's kind of in that intermediate to advanced level that isn't influenced by Germany. That mm. was not even happening 10 years ago. And because of Benny, yeah. Annika, and Yost. I can hear those odd groupings and those little bendy grab, bendy grab. I can hear all that <laughs> stuff in people's playing. And it all came from Udo Dahman at Pop Academy and down to Yost and down to Benny and down to Annika. And so it's like, well, they did it. So why don't we have any famous Singaporean drummers? Like, let's get it. You guys have a chance to do this. Take it. Instead of copying, mm. grow. Become something unique, you know? And there, there was a little bit of like, well, it's easier if we just do what you guys do. And it's like, yeah, no, yeah. we're already doing it. That's the thing. It's like, let's move past that. So so that part was just a lot of fun, to be honest. I mean, that's that's kind of the beauty of this instrument is if you have to be creative. If you're not a creative person, you're not going to be a good drummer, and you have to figure it out. I mean, that that's yeah. that's been the biggest reward for me is like this instrument forces me to explore my own creativity. Yeah. And I just feel like yep. it just makes you a better person. I was talking to a guy in Florida who he he came out of a coma and his rehab has been drumming like that's oh, wow. that's the stuff we need to talk more about like how drumming totally can actually save your life and make you you know a, just a better overall person your health your wellness your mental health well and how much it can prob i i can only guess from the neuroscience research that i've done but from everything they say about how to stave off things like alzheimer's and dementia and other brain related illnesses it seems like learning later in life is the key to all of it. Yep. Don't allow your brain to rest. And for most of us, unless you were somebody that got in a cover band at 20 and then just decided I'm never doing anything else, I don't really consider that a growing musician. It's like, cool, you could, pr- you could probably play the hell out of a Huey Lewis in the news song a lot better than I can. But that's not the same as sitting down on the drum set with a book and trying yeah, to learn a new group. something. Yep. Yeah, like – I mean, I start my day every day with something I can't do and I wish I could. And I know that my brain is being forced to you know, create more myelin and break down neural pathways and grow. And I think that I'm, I think there will be a time when I'm like 70 that I'm a little more sharp than some of my bros. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe <laughs> your like, joints dog? will be given out, but your brain will be good. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'll be doing CrossFit a little slower than normal, but I'll still, but my brain will be on fire. So anyway, so that, that's really cool. And then, so what was the thing in Florida? Was it just a clinic? Yeah, so I was going down. So the two, there were two. The main reason was Armadillo, which is the parent company of D Drum and Dean Guitars and Luna Guitars. They were essentially putting on their own like NAM show expose. So rather than having a big display at the NAM show this year, they decided save that money. They have a huge warehouse. We'll literally set up our all of our display as we would at a NAM show, and then fly all of our dealers and our media contacts in to just do it there. Just like what I did at DW a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a growing tr- a trend, and, and it sounds like the NAMM show is going to be more for international buyers than anything else. So Yeah, and I, th- I think the NAMM show just needs to be for the public so that the public can do the advertising for the dealers. You know what I mean? But the problem is that show is – if you're a manufacturer, it's so freaking expensive. I won't tell you That's how true. much money that they saved by not going to – but think about right. it. Two Mack trucks full of gear. You've got to drive across the country. You've got wow. staffing. You've got hotels. You've got the union fees. I mean, oh yeah. I don't. I can't. I can't imagine being a, a company owner justifying that expense just so some people will take Instagram photos of it. 
I just can't. No, I, I can't yeah, do no, it. I, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's, it's tough. I, I can say this: if I, if I was a manufacturer and all of these people are, they're not in the right demographic to be able to do this because their their brains just don't work this way. But I would be totally targeting some key marketing Instagrammers and influencers to say, look. We'll give you this drum set. Can you just post about it? Because yeah. only because we just need people to know it exists. This is our new kit, and it doesn't have to be the most famous drummer. It can be the most influential drummer of that era. And I mean that even in that, if you're only giving away gear, what's a let's say a two thousand dollar kit? That's probably somewhere around a thousand dollar cost. Oh yeah, I mean you could do you could do twenty money. of those. Yeah, I mean it's it's all kind of it's all kind of changing, and I, I don't want to yeah. sound like I am anti Nam show, but I'm just thinking dollars and cents. Oh I mean, yeah, they no, flew in all no of their, their U.S. dealers and and media. You know, put everyone got their own hotel room right. and food and accommodations, and we got to basically and have came a private damn show. Yeah, and they came out well. Way that's the thing. Ahead. <laughs> way I'm ahead. actually doing it again for Sweetwater on Thursday because I'm going to be down in L.A. Uh, Mark and I are shooting uh, the Gretsch Brooklyn standard video, mm-hmm. uh, with, do you know who Victor, is it Victor Indriza? Indrizo, Yeah. He's amazing dude. Well, I had no idea how badass he was, but the, <laughs> so, yeah. cause I'd asked like, let's get as many drummers as we can involved in this so that we can distance this thing from my name. And so we're doing it with Victor, Mark, myself. So, uh, but I'm going to be there shooting some Vic Firth videos earlier in the week. And Gretsch just said, hey, we're doing another dealer day, but this one's um, for Sweetwater. Could you come by and do it again? And I just thought, like, one, of course, I want to do it. But I was just thinking on a positive level, I mean, when do you ever get to hear anything at NAM? You don't. It's so loud. It's so chaotic. No, and it's a, it's a it's dog just, and pony it's show. A, yeah, it's, it's a frenzy of just chaos and to, for them to really sit in a room, especially with, let's just say when I'm pitching the Brooklyn Standard, to sit in a room where I get to tell them, here's why I made it, here's who it's for, mm-hmm. here's what it sounds like at this tuning, here's what it sounds like at that tuning, and this is why I think this product is great. And, by the way, if you are going to be selling this at your store, these are the key things that will push it over the edge if somebody's on the fence. And to be able to do that, I mean, that's like so invaluable. They'll order more drums. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, Meinl started this a long time ago in Europe. Uh, yeah. Not started it. I mean, they started doing it. And I'm sure other companies were too. I yeah. mean, if this is what's going on for us, for our world, this must have been going on a long time ago for the world of music that's bigger, like Gibson or Fender or Audio Technica. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, Roland had an event two years ago. They flew a bunch of people in. Just to right. you know, it was to launch their new kit. I mean, it makes sense that that's you know. And, and oh yeah, you went with, to that, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, yep. they they probably saved money, even though they spent a lot to get all these people right. there. It was kind of kind of yeah. unbelievable. So anyway, that was that was Tuesday. This, I mean, since Thanksgiving, it's been like all just one big day. But I think that was Tuesday. So then I was flying in Monday, so I went ahead and booked a clinic Monday night. So that was at um, All Access Recordings in Clearwater, Florida. Amazing studio. Um, it was sponsored. Just, I'm starting to really love this independent clinician vibe because uh, yeah. what I can do is I can get all the local companies to. It basically comes in like a little trade show. So That's whoever's so cool. in the area, whatever drum company. So Spinelli Drums took you know took the lead. They booked the whole thing. They debuted this brand new, fully free floating drum set. I mean, it was just it's just awesome to 
get on like the grassroots level. Like they're going to just yeah. start taking orders on these kits. It's full, and it sounded amazing. There's all kind of innovations with the kit. So basically, people that came, they were coming to to take part in my thing, but also to check out the drums. So they were the main That's sponsor. So cool. So the, the drums are mic'd up in the studio, so you can go into the control room and hear them, or you can come in the live room and play them and hear them. And then, um, you know, Drum Tax has, has been taking a lead on all of my stuff. So he was his stuff was there. I met uh, Mitch from Dream Ears In-Ear Monitors, which we'll talk about later as my pick of the week. I mean, that's a, a, a full-time performing drummer who owns a in-ear monitor company. It was really cool to kind of see... All right, that's one dude who designed a product just for drummers. So he was there doing impressions, you know, in-ear impressions. Okay, so they are custom mold. Yeah, custom mold, but priced, oh. you know, priced with the working drummer in mind. Um, but right. you know, we'll talk about it later because it is my pick sure. of the week. He's he's kind of taken it farther than I think anybody else has. So that's kind of cool. Saw blade heads, which is a custom bass drum head artwork. I mean, they were yeah. there. It was just cool to in drum static. Um, yeah, and so it was just awesome to get and you know bring out the Tampa Bay community. I mean, we packed the place. I was kind of shocked. I think it was maybe fifty or so people in our recording studio. That's so cool. So it was it was what a great a good setting time. too. Yeah, so I, I love I, I love this vibe. It's more like community. Like whoever's the drummer in this town, come out and hang out. I'm not I'm not hawking any products. <laughs> you know, right. it's like I'm yeah. there to represent Modern Drummer this podcast, and then whoever in the area wants to support it. Sure, it super fun. I think that's awesome. You know what? I'm going to give that a go. I'm going to. Uh, I think I'm going to do at the UK Drum Show. I'm going Noble and Cooley. How do you feel? <laughs> How do you think Gretsch will feel about well, that? Well, I mean, that's it, it, no. I love it, but it's also it's it makes it very challenging because there is there's no set like. All right, who's who do I send my invoices to? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like yeah, no, that it, it's you know I've thought about that forever as an educator. We've always joked about it, like how great it would be to drop all of your endorsements so that one, my students know that whatever products I'm recommending, there's no, they don't have to worry about like, you know, why is he recommending this? But two, just like I don't know, like you know, when I scroll through Reverb.com, mm-hmm. trust me, there's. <laughs> there's a there's a craviato itch that cannot be scratched. Uh, so so that happens and but but in the end when I think about what it's like to have full blown endorsements, it does make things a lot easier. The other thing is, okay, uh, you know, I've been added to the UK drum show. Now it's pretty rad to just contact Minel and say, Hey, just so you know, I'll be in the UK in September. Do you want to tack anything on? And they go, Yeah, yeah, how many mm-hmm. dates do you want to do? Uh, I'll do ten. Okay, cool, we'll handle it. That's amazing. Yeah, to have like, that infrastructure. That's. I mean, if I was trying to do this like full time or even like part time, I would right. need more infrastructure. This kind of yeah. it's it's tough, but it, I still just kind of love the idea of it. We'll see if it can kind of build. I got I some other awesome. ideas. It's other things in the works. So hopefully, we'll be out there. Well, a I know bit that more. some of the some of the Mike's lesson students that got to go hang out with you were yep. super stoked on it. So yeah, I wore Very my cool. uh, Ding Dong Daddy T shirt for, for those. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, okay, I do have one special thing for you that I think you'll maybe find cool, and I hope the whole entire drumming world finds it cool. Uh, so I'm going down to L.A. tomorrow, and then I'm shooting in L.A. with Vic Firth on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Then I have Wednesday off, and then I'm shooting with Gretsch on Thursday and Friday. So mm-hmm. on my first day with Vic Firth, we wanted to – we wanted to do a, a drummer duo thing. So it's kind of like almost like what the drum channel was doing with Terry back in the day, but the Instagram version of it, which yep. 
in my opinion, I can't handle 14 minutes of two dudes jamming. It makes me nauseous. No. I can handle about 35 seconds. You need of a it. director or producer to put a put yes. an end to that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for Instagram, I think it's perfect. But obviously, when they said, "Okay, we'd love you to choose a drummer that you want to jam with," and we think Mark would be perfect, I'm like, "Well, I think he would too." But I'm shooting with him on Thursday. Mm-hmm. I don't. We don't need a bromance thing going on. Um, and so I looked through their roster of guys that lived in in LA, and I was obviously trying to avoid like shed monsters. I don't want to fight somebody on the drum set. I'd like yeah. to make music if possible. And I, all of a sudden, I was like, you know what? There's a drummer that no one has ever seen play by himself. They've only seen him play in a band. And he's always behind his famous brother. And that's Eric Hernandez from Bruno Mars. Oh, yeah. Right. Awesome. And so, yeah. So I called up Eric. And I was, he was like, dude, I have no desire to shed. I'm like, no, no, no. That's the whole thing. It'll be the opposite. <laughs> I'll literally play a motif. And whatever <laughs> I'm doing, don't do that. Just play something opposite. And that'll be it. And so he was totally in. So we're going to, I think, as long as our schedules work out, we're going to shoot together on Sunday. But I think it'll be really like the drum community's first time to see him play drum set without Bruno Mars. I mean, it's really rare that you get to see, unless he's demoing like, oh, here's my tour rig. But Eric, it's kind of like Questlove and Travis Barker. You don't see them involved in the drum world because they're too busy being part of the professional music scene. Yeah. So I'm really excited uh, about that. Let's hope his little brother doesn't get too jealous. (laughs) Yeah. And then come in, and <clears throat> he's the one that would shed me. You'd <laughs> yeah. be like, let's throw down. I'd be like, Bruno, I have no beef with you. You were amazing. I, I don't know how you did that at the Super Bowl without being nervous. Like Being at the front of the stage, no big deal. But the fact that you got up on a drum set at the Super Bowl and played a drum solo. Yeah, he's ice cold. Yeah, I mean. That was, yeah. that was some, 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 some ice in the veins. And all right, let's get into it. So we've got some stuff to talk about. This is episode 220. I'm going to talk about education. I'm really excited about this because I think this is something that a lot of drum teachers, I like I said, we're going to talk about the Modern Drummer Readers Poll. That's what we're going to talk about, Mike. <laughs> yes. So let's, uh, yeah, first of all, we got to let everyone know that the Readers Poll is open and you have until, I believe, Christmas Eve. I think it's January, uh, December 24th, I believe, is the last day to enter. So make sure you go and put in your votes. So what we did this year, uh, we went back to the old way. So I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, we decided we would we would create nominees for each category based on people that were covered in the magazine, people that were getting a lot of press in other areas. Before that, we never did that. The Modern Drummer Readers Poll was just a blank form. You just filled out your favorite drummer. So the nominees things was cool. You know, we always got a couple of questions of like, why was this person nominated over this person, which is to be expected. Sure. We decided this year because everyone else had basically copied that model and started doing nominees that we would go back to no nominees. So it's complete blank canvas again. And I'm very except for Hall of Fame, we did give nominees for the Hall of Fame. We figured that's that really that's something. Yeah, we should probably pick. Uh, but yeah, so it's completely open to any drummer that is alive that you think is worthy of each category. Um, so I thought maybe we could just kind of go through it and just kind of rap about it. I mean, we obviously yeah, don't want to, we don't want to, you know, sway the votes one way or the other for our favorite players, but, and we also reworked some of the categories so I could maybe explain why we did that as well. If you, if you right. want to dig into it. Well, let's start with our hall of fame. We've got Jimmy Cobb, Jim Keltner, Nico McBrain, Vinnie Paul, and Jabo Starks. Now, 
Hall of Fame obviously excludes people that are already in the Hall of Fame, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. So anyone that's won before, that's why we pick nominees because otherwise it'd be like Steve Gadd and Neil Peart. And right. Vinny Kelly. Yeah, Vinny Kelly. Yeah, they've been in the, the Hall of Fame for decades at this point. All right. Um, um, so we picked these um, based on, you know, just the, the the breadth of the career. Also, Jabbo Starks passed away. Vinnie Paul passed away. We always figure that's a good option to at least keep their memory alive via the poll. Um, sure. Jimmy Cobb is one of the last of the classic hard bop era. So we thought maybe it's time to get him in there. Jim Keltner, always forever a Hall of Fame uh, favorite. Uh, Nico, even though the band is still killing it and there's no sign of slowing down, we figured maybe he would be one that should be nominated. Um, so that's our, that was our reason for picking those five. Obviously, you can... No, we don't give you a write-in option for that. So nope, that's, that's, that's just all you vote. get. Yep. But everything else is write-in. So all around. All around might be I, the... I kind of feel like this is something where you just have to decide who's going to get in this time because these are all Hall of Famers. Right. Yeah, there's no winners. You're just picking who this year, who who makes it is in. most yeah. you know deserving. So let's go to the next category. All around, who would you consider to be an all around drummer? All around is like one of the original readers poll categories, and it was kind of by default. It was like the Vinnie Caliuta, Steve Gadd categories. So someone okay. who could do anything, literally any gig. Sure. You who if 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 someone said pick one drummer to do anything, who would that be? So would you consider Near Z to be an all-around? I've never heard him play jazz, so no. Okay. I know he can, okay. but but no. It would sure. be more of, like, currently, I would say, like, Josh Freese or someone that I've heard, okay. heard do a lot of different stuff on different levels, touring, recording. But okay. it all could just be your all-around favorite. I mean, it's really right. up to interpretation. Okay. Up-and-coming, I think that kind of speaks for itself. <clears throat> the up-and-coming um, is tough to define but it's literally someone that's just new on the scene they can be yeah, I think that's, 80 that's years old they can be 10 years old it doesn't right that's a feel for you as the as the i guess the listener or the fan is is it somebody that is now somewhat known by the public but hasn't fully arrived like you can't yep. put thomas lang in up and coming no that would he's be been on the scene for a while. yeah <laughs> uh i could see i you know i would say um Paris would be a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's she, been a bunch. JD, JD Beck. Um, yeah, yeah, JD Beck. Again, for sure. I don't want to feed any any suggestions, but you know, anyone that's new to you and generally new to the to the drumming world would be fair game. Rock, you could put Jimmy Cobb back in there. That's easy. Yeah, so um, so we used to have a bunch of rock categories and we decided it was tough like what is alt- we used to have a category called alternative. It's like, well, alternative is now just modern rock. Well, what is modern yeah, rock versus say. classic rock? I mean, modern rock is just a louder version of classic rock in a lot of right. ways. And what is, you know, art rock? Now you're getting a little bit weird. You know, it, it just became like, you know what, rock. Anyone who yeah. plays in a rock genre is up for this category. <laughs> yeah. I could definitely see the non-rock people would immediately just start typing Dave Grohl or Taylor Hawkins because mm-hmm. they just don't know any rock drummers. Yeah, uh, The rock guys for the jazz category, they're just going to be like, living? 
are there any? I don't know. <laughs> and so they're going to be like, I don't care. I'm typing in Tony Williams. It's all I got. You'll notice with jazz, we got we combined mainstream, contemporary, fusion. Fusion was one that I was really like, we got to get rid of this category because it, it just is limited to the 1970s. Therefore, it's always going to be Simon Phillips. It's always going to be you know the people who made their name in that. Because I don't think anyone today that I'm aware of, like, I play fusion. That's, yeah. you know, that's, that's up well, and coming. Well, even, because even the fusion that would have been considered fusion has now turned into this proggy thing. You know, Gavin Harrison might have been a fusion drummer 40 years ago, but yeah. now it's almost like a prog drummer. So Yeah, so it's just a jazz category. That would be all okay. traditional and modern contemporaries, anything that's under the umbrella of the jazz genre. And then we have R and B, so we've got the three like main categories of of what we consider pop or contemporary drum set styles. R and B would be your hip hop, your funk, your classic R and B, your gospel, your soul, anything coming from rhythm and blues history. Uh, now, live is a brand new category for us. I like it. So we had a, it was again. It was like we used to have a pop category, but then you look at the people who were nominated in pop. None of them were on the records because pop records don't have drums on them anymore. Right. They're sure. all just live drummers. They're touring drummers. Same thing with country. Yep. It was like country, it's basically touring drummers. So we kind of combined pop and country and all that into one thing, live. Who's your favorite live performer on the drum set? Any genre. They just have to perform live. <laughs> That's really yeah. No, I, I love that because there are a lot of touring drummers that don't care about social media, don't mm-hmm. care, you know, we were just talking about Eric Hernandez would be a great live drummer. He's on tour constantly with Bruno Mars, but and I mean obviously he's probably doing the sessions too. But there's probably a lot of program stuff in there. Um, yeah. By the way, I'm not trying to influence you to vote for Eric. <laughs> just saying that's that's somebody that I was thinking. I was like, man, no one's ever seen this dude play a drum set without being in a band. Yeah, I mean, I think you could you could think all right, who's selling out arenas, but also right who's playing the cool jazz clubs and just true ripping as a true. live a live performer. Yep. Um, studio is kind of self-explanatory. Who's making the coolest records? Who's getting the most credits? That's you know that's becoming a very small elite group of players, um, but you know it's still valid. I think uh, percussion again, no explanation needed. Someone who plays percussion and not drum set primarily would be your nominee. That could be live or studio or or pop or ethnic or whatever. Anyone who's a percussionist. Soloing must be a new category. I don't soloing is that. a new category. So that live and soloing were kind of our like, okay, how do we give a chance for the for the drummers out there who aren't making records, but they're still contributing to the art form. So who is your favorite soloist is essentially that. Beautiful. Love it. And same thing with groove. That could be a studio drummer. That could be a live drummer. It could be a legendary drummer. It could be an up-and-coming drummer. It could be someone who plays what we think of as groove as being funk-based, or it could be someone who grooves in crazy time signatures. We're just sure who has the. It's basically who you think has the best feel. Okay. And double bass is our our throw to. We got rid of the metal category because again we thought that was like well, if you have metal, is it going to be which type of metal? And you know, it just again became too many subgenres. So if you're or if a drummer is a double bass expert in any genre, you would vote for them there. Got it. Album, obvious. That's your favorite record from the past year. Method books. Okay, thing. so you're not for the album. You're not voting for the drummer on the album. You're actually submitting your favorite album. 
Favorite album, which will feature one or multiple drummers. Sure. Yeah. I don't think we would give an award to something that's all programmed, but maybe if it's just really important, like maybe there was a square pusher record that everybody's just freaking out about, fine. Sure. Sure. Um, okay. Method book, self-explanatory. And, and with these, album, method book, um, actually all of these you should be thinking within the past year, essentially, but right. album in particular, don't vote for Kind of Blue. It's got to be something right. within the past year. Same thing with a book, don't vote for Stick Control. It should be something that's new to the to the lexicon of drum education. Um, app online instruction, same thing. Do you have a favorite app that you use for practicing or teaching? Do you have a favorite website? Do you have a favorite course? We wanted to open that up to anything that's based on the internet or awesome. or app form. And then clinician educator we combined um, mainly because we. I kind of feel like you need to be both to win that award. You know? Yeah. Like that, that's agree. important for a, a good clinician should also be a good educator in order to win this award rather than someone who just plays an hour solo and signs autographs and leaves. Yeah, agreed. And I think educator is becoming something that's uh, quite multifaceted now. Like which ways are you educating? Yeah. I, I definitely think of that. Like, I mean, that's my favorite part of a clinic when I haven't seen a clinician yet is as soon as the solo or the song stops, that's when I get interested. Like, what happens when you grab that microphone? Yeah. Can you handle this moment? Yeah. Um, that's always my disclaimer at every clinic. Like, I am not a clinician. I'm here to teach. <laughs> so <laughs> I will play some drums, but I'm never going to be, like, showing off and trying to – I just don't like clinician. I don't even know what it means. It just sounds weird to me. But I get it. I get it. <laughs> I understand. That's just the word we use, but – and then a new category, the CAPTCHA. CAPTCHA. So this is where you just enter in some letters <laughs> and numbers, and then uh, and you vote for your favorite email, and then you press submit. And then you press cool. submit. So done. done. Beautiful. Everyone I'll get your votes in. Um, we will be announcing winners shortly after the new year. So um, Beautiful. And you can only vote once, obviously. I think it's once per IP address. So if you want to be crafty, you could jump around to different areas. but <laughs> Or just go to every Best Buy you can find. Yeah, right. Just sign on on their computers. <laughs> I'm not giving you ideas. All right. Well, awesome. Well, that's really cool. Uh, the Modern Drummers Reader Poll is always something that I think w- it was very prestigious for a long time. I think that eventually um, – it became a little bit – what I kind of like about this is it became a bit of a popularity contest with social media where if you were nominated, then you had this cool visual that you could post on Instagram or yep. Facebook or ever, and say, hey, first of all, congratulate me because I've been nominated. Yeah. Second of all, go vote for me. Yeah. Now it's a little bit more of an ask. Now it's like, no, you don't get any cool graphic. Now you have to straight up beg for and it I'm not, or uh, let it be real. I'm going to tell you, I'm keeping my eye on how that all transpires. This is a little bit of a litmus test because yes. in, in years past, uh, we had some issues with some ballot stuffing with mm-hmm. with different things. So, And we could see it right away when one drummer wins every category. Like, okay, what? which yeah. company sent out the mass mailer about right. this? So, <clears throat> yeah, so with the nominees... Yeah, you're right. It's it's an easy way to be like, hey, look at this. I'm so honored to be nominated. And I think that's cool. But yeah, you're right. This, you've got a screen capture, a blank page. Like, hey, you might want to vote for me in this category. <laughs> you yeah. have to go no, that I, extra it's step. A li- you, yeah, totally. Or you can do what I think I would, 
I would love to be done. I would love it is that if you asked anyone in your fan base to vote for you, you were disqualified. Let it just be as real as possible. Yeah. That let the chips fall where they may. I'm seeing it. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm seeing it. There's a, there's a few. I'm not going to obviously call anyone out, but there are a few drummers. I'm like, okay, their awards are really important for this this person. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I can if we're going to go full transparency, like it's always a little bit of a weird point for me because you see companies that win the awards that I would be nominated in where it's like they're going to plaster that all over their front page mm-hmm. as a validation for their product. Nothing wrong with that at all. Until it's time to until it's time for the voting. And I think hopefully like what ESPN just did with the top 100, I think someday it would be awesome if Modern Drummer said, "Oh, by the way, it's not a readers poll, it's our poll. We're going to sit in a room and hash this mm-hmm. out and we're going to tell you like this is who we think you know, this is our top five session drummers, our top five live drummers, top five books. Like that would be a cool thing because then you know that it wasn't, uh, you know, messed with. It, it's a tough thing. I mean, I, I think we're in a weird place. I can tell you right now, I totally forgot about the music radar one. I got nominated for two different categories, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until people started posting the win that I even I was like, oh, it's over, and I literally <laughs> didn't mention it. So I, I was like, well. I know that whatever whatever place I got, that's what would happen if I didn't mention it whatsoever, <laughs> didn't use any social media influence, because I forgot to mention it. What so, I would love for people to for do, the nomination. for everyone listening, when you do vote, please go ahead and share the fact that you voted, because it is a reader's poll, so we want we want this to be as, we want as many people to vote as possible, so if you, you know, you vote, you don't have to share your, your, your nominees, your your selections but just share the link spread it around it's supposed to be fun i know some people take this stuff way way more seriously i get it sometimes your career is dependent on how many um, how big your resume is but it's really just just break it down for you right now the year that i won and the next year that i didn't win nothing changed in my business yeah Yeah, i mean it's so i mean it, it won't it won't make or break your career like you will do that so um, and it won't make or break your favorite drummer's career. I think more than anything, it gives, especially the own unknown drummers. That's the one that I think, like, if you know a jazz drummer that it's like, you know what, man, I've seen this guy like four times in the last year and he always blows me away or she always blows me away. That's what I think the reader's poll is the best for is those people that thought, dude, I didn't even know modern drummer knew who I was. And it's like, yeah. well, and we're we doing do, something right. We see who's getting a lot of votes that maybe we haven't done a story on. Usually they get a story when that happens. Yeah, and I think that that's what's really cool about this whole thing is there are too many players out there right now for you to keep track of all of them. And a reader's poll allows you to be made aware of like, what? How did this guy get 100,000 votes? Never even heard of him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, maybe we should. And I, I think that's a really cool thing. Anyway, so all yeah, right. go to moderndrummer.com. It's it's on the homepage, but um, we'll also have it linked in the show notes. Go to the reader's poll. You can just search readers poll on our site you'll find it it's simple it should take you as long as you know you don't have to vote for everything you can just pick the ones you're actually knowledgeable of um yeah we appreciate your vote and you got until christmas eve to do it all right let's break into the teachers forum this is an article written by mark dicciani this is called feedback balanced creative practice and he's talking uh when he says feedback balanced he's referring to a feedback loop and he calls this the 4f loop the 4F loop consists of uh, focus, feedback, 
fix and find, and yes. it's just a constant looping process. Let's so, chat about it. So Mark, um, he's dean at the University of the Arts in Philadelphia. He was my uh, mentor there. He was my private instructor, and he was the director of the School of Music when I was there for grad school. And he started working on this stuff way back then in, wow. the, in the Stone Age. So he's been you know, interviewing neuroscience, you know, neuroscientists and just trying to figure out how the brain actually learns versus all the dogma that we're taught as drum teachers of how to learn. So right. the, the biggest thing that he the most obvious thing that he's uncovered is practicing 12 hours a day on one thing is not nearly as effective as practicing for one hour and doing, you know, very focused practice on maybe three or four things, just mm-hmm. the way the brain processes the information. Sure. But in this article, which is in the new issue, the January issue, he kind of digs into this, this concept of, um, so really the, that's the one, two, three, fourth paragraph kind of kind of summarize the whole thing focus the first thing is you focus which means you find something very specific that you want to practice then you do you figure out a way to create feedback on how you're doing with that very specific thing so record yourself video or audio review it find out where the problems are figure out what the most effective thing or the biggest problem is and then try to fix it via focus practice again and then you just keep you know, looking for new things to become your focused element of practice. Pretty simple, but I don't know that we all do that. And that's kind of how I teach as well. It's always a lot of learn something basic and fundamental, explore it until you break and you find something within that material that you couldn't execute. That becomes the next thing you practice and just keeps going and going and going rather than I'm going to do page one and then page two and then page three out of a book. It's more like take one simple thing, a paradiddle around the kit Try it in different, like eighth notes, cool. Right. Which movements trip you up? Focus on those movements and then triplets, you know, just keep snowballing the process. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the overarching point of this piece. Um, Which I think is something that, like you said, a lot of people may not practice this way or teachers don't know to teach this way, but there's also a lot of people that practice this way that don't know whether it's the right way to do it or not. Mm-hmm. And out of this, I mean, there's a couple things that we have to talk about. One, you can't focus on a specific thing until you can do a specific thing. So this doesn't really work until you're doing something. Uh, so you have to start by learning something. So I'm not going to record myself improvising over a groove that I can't play. Yeah, you got to like, learn. I, I can't yeah. even play the damn okay. thing. Yeah. So Physically, you have to you start there. Yeah. Yes. So that's the start. Then I think. The only step that people are leaving out, which is what ruins this whole process, is people are just unwilling to record themselves. Yeah. And I think so I don't important. think it's tech anymore. I think it's a fear of they don't want to know. Yeah. And it's like Yeah. And it's the most important part of it because there's no way with this instrument that you can really hear what's going on. I mean, I can tell you I I did a uh, some video stuff for Instagram this morning that was literally I put my phone on the ground in the room. And it was just Instagram story stuff. And I also wanted to see does the new iPhone bounce when sound waves hit it. Because mm. my iPhone 8, every time I hit my kick, the whole thing would try to uh, stabilize itself. Yeah. But it nothing moved. But So it just <laughs> jumped up and down. Um, so anyway, so I was just kind of testing it out. And take one. I mean, all I want to do is show like, hey, when I get to work, I just improvise for a while. 
I was like, nailed it. Then I went and watched the video. I was like, oh my God, that's terrible. <laughs> How is my timing that bad? Well, I didn't hear any of that in the moment. Yeah. So it wasn't until I watched it. And that, that missing that process of recording yourself and reviewing yourself is why you keep getting things down at a C-plus level, but yeah. you could have sworn it was an A-plus level until someone calls you out on it. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean that might have been three questions at my clinic this week was that very thing. Like, why is it that I get red light fever? Why is it that, you know, I've recorded myself and listened back, it doesn't sound anything like I thought it did. And, and I even had a student, a private student, who, you know, we, we're, we're talking about recording drums. And he's like, why do my drum, why do my recordings just sound kind of weak and thin versus what you're doing? It's like, what's the secret? I mean, the secret is you're just not playing well enough yet. <laughs> like, ultimately, yeah. the microphones yeah. are given back. I mean, if, you, if your setup is, you know, your mix is balanced, you know, somewhat properly. Yeah. The microphone is giving you back exactly what you're putting in. So the reason you don't sound like me is because I've spent 10 years recording myself and getting to the point where I know what I need to do to make my recording sound the way I want them to sound with my, sure. my body on the instrument. And that was the same yeah. answer to everyone at the clinic. It was like, this is going to sound like a jerk, but it's you just got to do it. <laughs> you got to do it over and over. You got red light yep. fever because you don't record yourself enough. You don't yeah. like the way you sound listening back because you don't know what you actually sound like. So you're shocked when you hear it. Right. So well, I think that's a, a tough thing is because when you, as somebody that's struggling with the drums or struggling with your sound, show up to a clinic and you go see Mike Dawson do a clinic, you just assume, well, you started here. So how how are you here but I'm not? And it's like, well, but that's not the case. You weren't around when Mike couldn't do this stuff. And when Mike was saying the same things that you are and going like, man, my recordings yeah. sound like crap. And same, same thing here. You know, like when people ask me for questions about how do I speak to a camera, I'm like, go to my very first YouTube mm. upload. Cause I left it up so you could see it. Damn, <laughs> it's terrible. And so it's like, well, I made, I don't know what probably by now, maybe 15,000 videos. Yeah. Right. I mean, I make probably eight or nine a day. Well, yeah. it's, I'm at you that know, stage. That, I'm at the stage with speaking to a camera. I mean, I think with the podcasting thing, I've gotten over it. I think it's okay. I used to have to like hold my ears as I was editing. But speaking to the camera, I'm where I was 10 years ago with recording myself all on, as a drummer. And it's so back then when I was recording, it would take me three hours to get a take that I wasn't embarrassed enough to send to the artist just okay. because I didn't know how to do it. Now I'm like, I can get it in the first take. It's just a matter of, you know, is it the right approach? Sure. Ten years to that point. So I went from three hours of, of beating myself up in the studio to get a take that didn't make me cringe versus first take, I know it's going to sound good, it's going to be in time, all the fundamentals are going to be right. It's just now, am right. I playing musically the right part? You know that you armed all the mics? Yeah, exactly. Now when I'm speaking to the camera, it's like, ah, I'm back to that fundamental, like, am I looking at the right spot? Like, am I looking at the right. viewfinder versus the lens? <laughs> you know, Did I just I, check myself out in the viewfinder? Yeah, like, what are my stupid ticks that I didn't realize I had? You know, it's, it's, it's insane. Yep. How yep. loud so, should I talk? How, how, how introspective can I be? How loud should my that, headphones be so I'm not yelling? Like, it's all this stuff. But that is the 4F loop process in actuality because you are recording yourself. That You're actually recording yourself as part of the process yep. rather than the drumming is the main thing, but I'm going to record it as the side thing so I can review myself and fix it. With video, the main thing is filming yourself, and you have to watch it. 
mm-hmm. you can't edit it until you watch it. And so <laughs> that's it's definitely something that I think everyone can get good at. But drumming, uh, since it's our primary goal here, the recording process, the recording step is something that is missing in most people's practice. And let me just tell you, and I, I think Mike can back me up on here. There is no difference between recording with seven mics all into an into Neve preamps and then recording with your phone when it comes to reviewing yourself. Like unless your only focus is dynamics. Yeah, but, I mean, if you're only looking for like audio fidelity, but I mean. But if you're just trying to review yourself, you put your phone you know, ten feet away from your kit, it'll be more than enough. The other thing I would say is do your best to not film yourself. And if you're going to, you know, if you don't know how to use your, I don't know, memo app, then just put the phone facing down and turn the mic towards the kit. But if you film yourself, you will always value that more than you will the audio and you will look at yourself more than you will listen to yourself. Mm. Listening to yourself in the car without video is so much more helpful than watching a video of yourself, unless you're working on your performance, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the moral of this, of this lesson, there's a lot of deeper stuff. And like he talks about, you know, your, maybe your specific thing to practice isn't quite specific enough. You think, oh, I want to work on my yeah. jazz independence. Well, that could be a million different things. Right. So you're going to work on the placement of a single eighth note on, with the left hand over your jazz independence. Like, dig right. that specific, focus on that for 10 minutes, record yourself, see how you're doing find out what your problems are maybe the middle triplet you thought was super clean but you're actually dragging it okay now focus on the middle triplet you just keep like drilling drilling down to address the actual problems and then explore it and what i do is then i just kind of improvise with that material inevitably my brain takes me somewhere that i wasn't in before and i stumble onto a whole new world of things to practice that's well, kind of that's we, you just also and we we need to move on but we you just stumbled on something that also causes people to stall which is people are unwilling to improvise because it's once again very revealing it's it's very you know it's like uh, I, I let me just do it i'll just do what's on the page and it's like well that's why you don't have this down is you've never improvised with it using will kennedy's term you've never fellowshipped with the middle triplet yeah ever i mean you, know, you have to live with it and breathe it and and try it in every possible combination and cross your hands and everything you can do and try it loud and try it quiet and um, i mean that's, that's so, yeah. what this instrument is right i mean it's an imp- it's an improvisational instrument so i mean i it's have nothing but respect for the neil peerts of the world that create amazing parts and they play the exact same part every single time that's different that's not the same thing to totally me. it's yeah but i and i even wonder could you have gotten to the point where you could do that stuff as neil Without there must have been improvisation in his practice as a teenager growing up. Yeah, probably, probably constantly until he finally yeah. drills down to this is the perfect part. I've done eight yeah. million versions of this song. Here's the part. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. I can't imagine he woke up and he was like, "You know what I'm thinking? Y Y Z from start now. to finish, just like start this. to finish. Here we go." <laughs> but but press record because once I do it, I'm doing it the same every time. <laughs> so all right, let's move on. That was time to uh, thank our sponsors. I want to thank our sponsor, Bucks County Drums. And if you're in the market for a really high quality professional, um, you know, workhorse kind of kit, 
that's um, not going to totally kill your bank, check out the Bucks County Prime Series, which is a six-ply, single-species shell. They make the shells in their in their facility in Pennsylvania. They are currently available in all oak, all walnut, all cherry, and then they recently added birch and maple. So you've got all of your basic wood tones available, uh, all made from single species. They also come with reinforcement rings. Um, so yeah, so the whole premise is that you know you're getting the natural sound of that single species of wood rather than mixing and matching. So you really get a true test of what does these different timbers sound like. I've tried several of them; they're all beautiful. Um, so the whole point of this series was to give a kind of simpler, more straightforward drum set for working professionals, studio in the first studio or live, and and not have to spend a ton of money as compared to the really high-end semi-solid, which is way more labor-intensive and fully customized, and you're paying a premium for that. The Prime Series kits, which you get a three-piece shell pack, you know, two toms and a bass drum, you can get that for $2,195. And then the snare drums, which can be matching or of different timber, uh, $499. So it's a great price for a really high-quality professional kit, handmade, shells made in-house, with some really simple beautiful color options stains and lacquers you can also get wraps and veneers if you want your choice of evans heads they recommend g12 coated for the toms batter and g12 clear for the bottom Um, and i've i've tried other heads on these kits they sound great as well those g12s actually are a great match for what bucks county is doing so you might want to go with the recommendations so anyway if you're in the market for a really great workhorse um professional handmade kit check out the bucks county prime series this episode is also sponsored by cat percussion so check out their if you're a keyboard player meaning mallet keyboards like marimba's vibes xylophone or if you're interested in learning how to play a keyboard instrument then check out the mallet cat express it is a midi controller um, really high quality midi controller that offers you two octaves Plus, you can expand it up to two more octaves. So you could have a four octave instrument if you, you know, pieced two expanders onto this. Anyway, it's a two octave MIDI controller. Looks like a, a mallet percussion instrument. It's lighter weight than their pro version because it's made from aluminum instead of steel. Has tons of edit options. Um, you can do a lot with this thing. It's a very powerful controller. Um, the the keys themselves are made from a soft but durable, um, like a neoprene style foam so that's going to not you know it's not going to hurt your wrist when you're playing it hard and it's also not going to tear apart after you know a few hours of use so professional level high quality keyboard instrument the mallet cat express Um, i'm going to be digging deep into this also there's an option so the the unit itself doesn't come with sounds but there is one available that comes with the keytron sd 1000 sound module which gives you looks like 128 different sounds that range from piano to you know, more sound effects type things like a, they call it Odyssey. There's just glockenspiel and flutes and drums and all kinds of stuff. So it's got a, a ton of sounds in this module. Or if you just want to use a controller, you can connect via MIDI to your interface or to external sound modules. I'm going to be getting super weird with this thing, so we're going to return to it soon uh, when I'm using the keyboard within the electronic kit to try to play some melodic stuff. We'll see what happens there. But for now, go to Cat Percussion's website, check it out, the Malik Cat Express. And lastly, this episode is sponsored by Vibes High Fidelity Earplugs. So go to discovervibes.com 
and use the promo code Modern Drummer. That'll get you 15% off plus free shipping in the U.S. on your order of some really high quality musician grade earplugs. I have these. I use them often. I can vouch for the quality. So they reduce the volume by 20 decibel, 22 decibels, which is more than enough to get you out of the danger zone at gigs and you know if you're just practicing with the kit. Uh, but the cool thing is it doesn't muffle the sound. So you still get clean a clean frequency range with all the highs, mids, and lows. It just brings everything down to a safe level. Um, each pair comes with um, three sizes of interchangeable ear tips, so you can get a perfect fit with a nice seal. And they have clear posts, so you don't have like a bright orange or yellow piece of foam sticking out of your ear. They're very discreet. They have a nice little carrying package. I always have a pair of these in my jacket pocket or my stick bag, always with me. You never know if I'm a show or if I want to just practice on the kit. I just throw these in and jam away. Um, and I always use them on gigs too. So check them out. Go to discovervibes.com. Use the promo code Modern Drummer. Get 15% off. You definitely, if you don't have a pair of high quality earplugs, take advantage of this now. These are great. They'll last you forever. Um, so yeah, it's only about 20 bucks to get a pair of these. Check them out. Discovervibes.com. All right, now it's time to get into some candy. We're taking a look at a couple snare drums from the British Drum Company. This review was actually done by Stephen Bidwell. So are we going to drop in any audio yep. or no? So we've got okay, so you'll be hearing Stephen play this. Yeah, Steve, Steve um, uh, one of my best friends we met in college. We marched in the drum line together. He is currently touring with uh, Black Pumas, which okay. is a um, really amazing kind of new, like Dap King style soul funk band. They're kind of blowing up. He's been touring all around the world. So I'm super proud of my homeboy, Steve. Um, but yeah, so he reviewed these drums. These are, I think we reviewed a kit a while ago, but these are two yep. snares. Um, first, let's talk about the price. So we've got the big softy, which is a six and a half by 14. Um, what is this shell made of? Uh, what's rad is the reason why it's called the big softy is like the middle plies are basically balsa wood. Balsa wood. Yep. And what else? What else is in here? I'm not. I'm not prepared. Yeah. So it's a really soft, vintage style sounding drum. That is street price of six eighty nine. The Merlin, the other drum reviewed, which is also six and a half by fourteen. This is a twenty ply, super thick uh, maple birch shell. That is six ninety nine. So these are. Working drummer prices, as we dig in deeper, uh, Steve said these were amazing drums. He, he used them on a lot of different gigs and stuff. Now, so, is he a British drum company artist? Do you know? Nope, no. Okay, so he's just wide open to do whatever he wants. No, I believe um, he just got his first endorsement, which takes him out of the drumstick reviewing capacity for me. I think okay, he just signed okay. with, with Vic. So oh, everything awesome, else, he's man. independent. And by the way, on the big softy, the inner and outer are cherry. So cherry, you've got some yes. really hard plies on the inner and outer, and then the middle is very soft ochroma is what it's called but it's essentially balsa (laughs) because nobody wants because we had those little planes that we made out of balsa wood back in the day so no one wants to admit that they're using balsa wood but they are just because you made a plane that was powered by a rubber band out of this wood doesn't mean you can't use it for a drum yeah i mean i know we've talked about it a bunch but the inner plies of vintage drums is it's poplar or gum. I mean, it's soft, very soft yeah. wood. So yeah. that's kind of what they're going for, their own version of that classic uh, vintage show. All right, so Which one do you want to listen to first? Let's do the Merlin first. So this is okay. uh, this is a really thick drum. It's got 45-degree barren edges. It's got uh, you know alternating maple and birch. So think of 
what Maple and Birch would do together, and here's the drum. Okay, so first of all, you know, we kind of went away from those twenty ply snare drums. I mean, that that mm-hmm. was all the rage, obviously, in like the early two thousands. Then everybody went as thin as possible to these razor thin shells, mm-hmm. and now I think it's kind of cool to have something like this back. So forty five degree bearing edge, getting some sensitivity out of the drum, but then obviously a big twenty ply shell, and it's just going to have a ton of body, and I would assume a decent amount of volume. Yeah, but he said he was able to use it on a jazz gig, playing with brushes, and it was like really? totally appropriate. So yeah, it's not like it's a you know a shotgun only type of a drum. Sure, I think this yeah, actually yeah. falls more into the jack of all trades. I need one drum that can rock and one drum that can swing. This could be okay. a good choice for that. Um, yeah, so the demo kind of shows the the full range. I think it's a and it's really cool looking. I don't know what they call that finish. It's got it's yeah. like black with like two pinstripes. Looks pretty slick. I mean, the British drum company is kind of. I'm. <clears throat> I'm excited to to follow them now. I'm assuming. I think I have this right. This is one of the guys that started or that was with Premier, right? Yes, and I believe the drummer from Kasabian is co-owner, or at okay. least was one of the original founders. Okay. Yeah. So it's but a I mean, company they're, they're designed right for now. drummers by drummers with that you yeah. know very deliberate mission. So they're, they're right. good quality stuff, but they're not trying to kill you with the price. So the big softy, that's the 6.5 by 14. Uh, inner and outer plies of cherry, and then you've got... Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, inner and outer plies of cherry, and then the middle plies are the fancy word for balsam. <laughs> and this one's yeah. also 6.89. Yep, check it out. So here's what I love about these two drums. A lot of times when you get two six and a half by fourteens together and they're wood, I seriously can't hear the difference. Mm-hmm. Especially when they're tuned similar. Like these drums actually sound quite different. Yeah. This one just had like that um that doughy like kind gushiness of, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean it's big softy is uh, a perfect name. Totally. Yeah, you can hear it. And I think and especially just hearing it at this medium tuning, I think this is one of those drums that if you just tuned it down and let it do that kind of thing mm-hmm. it would just it would just kill in that now do you, i wonder if they make these in other sizes or if these are only made in six and a halfs um 
but know, either I'd way, they both sound fantastic. Yeah, I like that they sent these two drums. It's like here's here's the range. You have this kind of more modern but yet versatile yeah. maple birch drum, and you've got this super gushy, vibey drum for for those type of gigs that can also do other stuff, but. Um, it's like these yeah. are two drums. You can have a nice collection right here and add a, a brass drum to it or an aluminum drum, and you've kind of got and your palette covered. Just so you know, when I was when I was over there last time in the UK, the British drum company, I mean, they're not just doing drums. They're doing, like, hardware add-ons. They're mm. doing everything. I mean, like, they had slat walls of felts and everything. And, and you can tell, like, they've got their own throw-off. They've got their own lugs. Their badge is gorgeous. Uh, I, it was definitely one of those things where you're if you're over there long enough you're kind of like ah i mean well you and i have both have a soft spot for premiere so (laughs) yes exactly and that's when they told me that they're like you know this is the guys that did premiere i was like oh okay maybe i'll just order one and uh you know but i'm excited uh to see them at the uk drum show again and i just think they make phenomenal phenomenal drums apparently they use a cold press process to make their shells so that you know everything they're doing is kind of unique to themselves this isn't like an off the factory floor slap a badge on it and call it a British no no drum. they're they're going in uh for sure and i think it's it's cool because you and i have seen four or five different relaunches of the premier company and you're always on board for it and we're always in their corner and for whatever reason it just never quite worked and with this this is like an all or nothing type thing where they're going all the way in yeah and and making amazing amazing stuff their drums are gorgeous they sound amazing and the company has a lot of support and they're going for it so very cool stuff so check out the merlin and the big softy both by the british drum company now it is time for your questions all right let's crank let's them get here. into it so we've got one from david here this might be something we've covered before but it can always be repeated uh, my goal is to buy a versatile a versatile drum set for modern worship music so the question Oof. is What's the most versatile bass drum size? 14 by 20, 16 by 20, 14 by 22, 16 by 22. I want the kit to be easy to carry. I like the punchiness of a 14-inch deep, but so what would the 16-inch bring to the equation? And then is a 20 enough, or should I go with a 22? Yeah, I mean, there's two issues going on there. You have modern worship music, and then you have the place that you're playing the modern worship music at. Mm-hmm. So you can be playing Hillsong United and Jesus Culture all day long, but if they put you in a cage, it ain't going to matter. Why am I – who am I yelling at? <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so I mean, because I've played at plenty of places that all the music was – you know, especially at Pentecostal churches, you're going between Jesus Culture and uh, Lincoln Brewster, and then all of a sudden you're playing gospel music. So mm-hmm. – I've done all of that stuff, and sometimes I'm doing it at a place where they're constantly saying, so happy with the drumming, could you just be like 10 times quieter? <laughs> so it's like, well, I don't want a 22, you know, an 18 by 22 for that. So I, I really do think, uh, especially if you're carrying the kit around, uh, 14 by 20 is, I just don't know what else you need, you know? Um, especially in a church, you're playing a big room that's going to be too echoey, too boomy already. Yeah, I mean, you're going to... I mean, not knowing, yeah, not knowing the setting, you're probably going to have to pad up whatever it is anyway. So exactly. why not just get the smallest drum that can do what you need it to do? Yeah, yeah, I agree. So out of that, those selections, I would say 14 by 20. I think a, a 16 by 20 will give you a little extra oomph, but you won't really, you won't really miss it from a 14. Um, now, if I was going to pick one bass drum 
to use for the rest of my life, it would be a 14 by 22 just because I know I can do everything with it right. from like super loud, aggressive music to even bebop if I needed to. But, you know, if this is very specific to your situation, I agree with Mike, go with the smallest version that will get you the, you know, what you need. Now, the other part of the question, um, on toms, does depth make a big difference? So he's thinking a 14-inch deep 16-inch versus a 16 by 16 square floor tom. Hmm. I got to say, I don't know. There, okay, so here's, here's what I've noticed from time to time is when, when you're dealing with a short stack kit, let's say that your 14-inch floor was a 14 uh, diameter and 12-inch deep, I do notice that all of a sudden you're starting to lose resonance. Hmm. I, and then I think at at a square size, a 14 by 14, I think sometimes the sound never really even makes its way all the way down to that rezo head. And sometimes those can be kind of dead as well. Mm-hmm. When you're two inches shallower, I feel like it has the most resonance. Like, a, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially like a 16 by 14, 16 diameter by 14 depth, right, right, just right, to be right. clear. Th- those ones, I remember because that's what I got when I was a, a DW artist. I didn't want to do legs. I had my toms mounted. Yeah. And I just remember like, I can't get this thing to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I damn near had a cardboard bottom head just to stop because I had like 46 layers of gaff tape on it. So, you know, I think um, for what you're doing, to be honest, in that modern Christian world or that modern worship music world, the 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 echo of the toms doesn't come from them sustaining. It comes from honestly from reverb. So when you're getting these big Tom builds, they don't want your toms ringing forever. So I would say get the size you're most comfortable with. And if it rings too much, throw five to 10 cotton balls in it and just let it gate itself. You know, they're going to, they're going to make it big and modern sounding by adding reverb to it. So, yeah, I'm thinking again, if, if you need something that's portable, go for the smaller version always just because yeah. you know like you said if you're mic'd up it doesn't matter um right. and what's easier to get in and out of of the venue is always what i'm looking for um yeah i mean you can even go concert toms for some of these types yeah. of gigs i mean I think, on, you think honestly, about it you're really only it. getting the batter head sound if you're playing anything under like mezzo piano that bottom head is not really doing a whole lot on a floor tom <laughs> right yeah and tuning has no, a lot I, to I do agree. with it too yeah. And I think the other thing that has a lot to do with it is size of the person. You know, when I see my um, the guy that helps me out here, Nate, he's six foot eight, and when he sits on a twenty twelve fourteen, the dude's kind of towering over it. <laughs> right. But with a twenty two, you get that tom up two inches higher. Maybe put a sixteen over on his right, and he just looks like he fits the kid a little bit more. So, I'd say, come, man, I can tell you right now, get me a kit that I feel comfortable on, and I will make it work. mm Hmm. Way more than like someone telling me this is the perfect sound for what we're going for, and I'm like, dude, it's a 26 and a 14 inch rack. I can't. I need a booster chair to play the damn thing. Sorry. All right, let's do one more. Uh, this is from Bill. My question is regards to minimal budget setup to record my practice sessions, which goes right into what we were saying earlier. Everyone needs to be doing this. I have an Audio Technica AT2020 that I can use an overhead. I have Pro Tools first. Um, I'm thinking about picking up a used mic for my bass drum. So what kind Perfect. of bass drum mic and mixing board would you recommend? And what else might I need to get started? Well, I wouldn't recommend a mixing board. 
I would recommend a, just a two-channel interface. Yep. Um, so get a you know a, a Scarlet. Uh, what's it called? The yeah, the Focusrite Scarlet. Focusrite, yeah, yep. Scarlet two two i two. That's going to run you about one hundred and forty bucks, and then get it. I mean, I'm a huge fan of used mics because most of them never go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So generally, somebody bought them, spent you know the full price on them, and you can get them for half off. So uh, is it is it still a Beta fifty two? Is that Beta fifty two A? Yeah, that might be the most all-purpose bass drum mic in my opinion that and an audix d6 those are like the two go-to's and you're probably going to be able to get those for about a hundred a piece if they're used on you know a website so i would say just get one of those two mics don't forget to get a a kick drum mic stand Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you can get that on amazon for another 15 bucks and then you're set and put that into the scarlet 2i2 now Let's talk about what if you want to eventually do more than that. So you might want to go with an eight-channel interface, even though you're only going to do two mics totally. now. So there's also a yep. Scarlet version of that. There's the um, the Arturia that we've talked about before. There's a billion eight-channel interfaces that are incredibly reasonably priced. I would yep. actually say do that because inevitably you're going to be like, oh, but I want a snare drum mic. And then you're like, yeah. ah, I don't have a channel. So, so then yeah. the other no, thought I, would I be – do you add a bass drum mic, or do you just get another twenty twenty AT twenty twenty and use it as a mono overhead in a in a low room to kind of get a natural sound of the kit? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's um, yeah, it, it, it's I just know that you're about to go down a rabbit hole. It's endless because <laughs> then you're like, well, the twenty twenty is this, but then they've got the twenty twenty you know MP with where I could do it in all cardioid, and maybe yeah. I'll get that, and then. Well, if I'm going to get that, I might as well just get the 4050. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm speaking into right now. It's like it, it, it's endless. Um, but but yeah, I think I think that's a good place to start. I would get another 2020 and okay. a, a used Beta 52. So then you've got three and then, mics, and then and then a four to eight channel. I mean, if you know that you're not going to expand, you're just doing it for a recording. Get a four channel. If you think there's a chance you'll expand, get an eight channel. Yep. Yeah, there's yep. so many options, so we're happy to guide you. But in past episodes, I'm sure we talked about a bunch of that. Either way, Boom. do it. All right, that's it for questions. We got a bunch more, but you know we're running overtime here. We talked a lot about ourselves in this episode. <laughs> I think that at some point we'll have to change the name to the Mike and Mike Self Therapy Podcast. It's just our chance to vent. Uh, Boy, so, man, I didn't right. even get into my actual venting. Let's not do that. Let's go okay. into... <laughs> Picks of the week? Picks of the week. All right. How about you go first? I've been going first for a while. Okay. So I talked about Dream Ears um, in your company. They were at the clinic in, in, when I was down in Florida. I got to have lunch with Mitch, the owner and designer of all this stuff. So, And he outfitted... He got you know did some molds for me. I'm going to get some mold, uh, monitors to review later. But met the dude... Real deal, super cool guy, full time drummer. He's made his living for you know twenty plus years as a drummer. He was frustrated with the quality of in ears for drummers, so he designed a bunch of models that are specifically made really for him, which means for all drummers. Now, what I'm seeing to so the website is Dream Ears with a Z, DreamERZ.com. If you look at their product line, he goes from one driver. All the way up to 10 freaking drivers. The DB10X has 10, has four ported woofers, two ported low mids. I mean, it just keeps going and going and going. So that 
is way more than I think anyone else is offering currently. I could be wrong. I don't think anyone's doing 10 drivers in an in-ear monitor. And the price for that, which is like the Rolls-Royce, is only twelve fifty. So one thousand two hundred fifty dollars wow. for that. That's actually really low for something like that. Yeah, and he he told me he's like, I'm not trying to gouge people with prices. I know what I need to make some money, and I know what drummers can afford, and these are priced that way. So the quad driver, which is equivalent to what most custom mold in ears are from most other companies, is only six fifty. So that's right. the DB4X that gives you, you know, a big woofer. Um, what else does he have in there? It's got a standalone woofer. It's got uh, two low mids and a mid tweeter. So again, a little bit different than what other companies are doing. So yeah, go to their website, dreamears with a Z dot com. Have a look around. Um, you can trust from trust me that this this Mitch is a real deal. He's here to help drummers. Um, Rich Redmond's using these. Ray Luzier's using these. So he's got some big name artists. Um, yeah, so anyway, dreamears.com, custom molds. I'll report back once I get my review sample, but I'm nice. sure I'm going to be nothing but impressed. And, I mean, while you're doing it, you might as well just order a set of – I mean, if you're going to send your impressions in, just order a set of their uh, custom-molded earplugs as well. Yeah. Might as well. All right. Uh, so this is actually something I've wanted to recommend for a long time, but I couldn't until about a week and a half ago. And that is the Canon EOS R. Now, I'm always recommending camera gear because everybody is filming themselves more and more. I meant the RP, excuse me. I use the Canon EOS R. The problem is the body alone is $2,000. I don't, I know a lot of people aren't filming themselves enough to spend $2,000 just on a body and then you have to get lenses. The Canon EOS RP is $999. I know that's still a lot of money, but. It is a very high-quality camera, and it's one of Canon's new mirrorless cameras, which is what Canon is shifting over to completely. And so it goes on their, their best lenses can work with it. But for those of you that are filming yourselves, the reason why I couldn't recommend this in the past is because for whatever reason, they decided to ship this camera without the ability to do 24 frames per second, which hmm. is what you should be filming yourself in. Hmm. Uh, so it was like almost like a cool slow-mo camera because it could do 30 Weird. Which is great for broadcasting stuff and for live streaming. And it could do the creative frame rates would be 60 and 120. And it did it in 4K and everything was amazing. Or it did some of those in 4K. But it didn't do 24. Well, they released a, a firmware update. So now when you get the camera, uh, if it's an old camera, you just have to update the firmware. Or if it's a brand new one, then it'll come with that. So it's got um, really great ISO performance, meaning you can film in low light without any grain or anything. Uh, it does shoot in 4K. Most importantly, it's got eye detection autofocus. So if you're filming yourself, not only will it autofocus on your face, and Canon has the best AF on in the whole scene, but it'll also just focus on your eye. So, I mean, you're getting great autofocus. Because if you're in a shallow depth of field and it focuses on your nose, mm. your eyes might be kind of blurry. Yeah. So uh, it is also uh, – it has Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. So if you're out on the road taking pictures, you can just instantly beam those pictures over to your phone, edit on Snapseed or whatever you want uh, or Lightroom, and you're good. Uh, so, yeah. So it's a really cool camera. And most importantly for those of you that are filming yourselves, it does have a flip-out screen, which most of the other camera companies – have just decided not to do, mm, and it drives all creators nuts. Yeah. Um, so especially even for me, even though I have screens, usually when I'm traveling, I have a mic on the hot shoe. So even though I have an external screen that I could bring with me, 
well, then it takes the place of where I would put my microphone. Mm-hmm. So I like to have – I have an Audio-Technica mic that plugs into the mic jack and that goes on the hot shoe at the top of the camera. And so I don't have a place for a screen. So I need that flip out screen to find out if I'm in focus, if I frame the shot properly when I'm filming myself. So check out the Canon EOS RP. Like I said, the EOS R is what I use. This is really close to almost the same specs. Uh, you're just missing a few things that probably for most of you won't matter. But the RP is 999 and it now has 24 frames per second. Awesome. Weird thing to say it now has because it should just ship with that. <laughs> what um, an oversight. <laughs> right. I, Canon does things their own way for very specific reasons. <laughs> and uh, we in the uh, YouTube creators world just have to wait for them to be like, all right, just you know you, d- you know you did it wrong on purpose. Just fix the damn thing. And they're like, well, all right. So, so anyways, Canon EOS RP, that's my pick of the week, my friend. All right. It was we a deep it. episode. That was. So we had a lot of catching up to do. I feel like we didn't even touch on it. I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. <laughs> Uh, whatever dude it's a blur i like i got home maybe uh, i got home at 9 p.m and then the next morning was thanksgiving from yeah. from a 24-hour flight yeah so, so you were in, in a blur yeah yeah so, so, so we're going to let uh kevin sofera sorry if i mispronounce your name kevin amazing drummer bucks county artist he is demoing the prime series birch kit which is a sponsor for this week's episode so this is his hint hit in his studio uh kevin let's take us out and we'll see you next week Kevin, your studio sounds dope. Later, dude. Later, bro.